Looking to fast forward your practice goals? Commonwealth Financial Network can help you evolve your business by providing entrepreneurial capital, affiliation flexibility, and tailored business strategies. Everything you need to put your practice into the fast lane. Welcome to a better path to success. Welcome to Commonwealth. To learn more, visit Commonwealth.com. Commonwealth Financial Network is a member of FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Hi, I'm Suzanne Syracuse, and welcome to my new podcast focused on the future, keys to building a profitable, sustainable, and impactful business. And I am excited to be partnering with wealthmanagement.com on this. This series will focus on what firms need to embrace to ensure their growth and success for the future. And you'll hear from industry leaders and advisors on what is working for them. The content is directed at firms that are already successful and looking to stay that way, and also for those who are focused on taking their firms to that next level. I have a great lineup of guests in store, and today I'm talking with Heather Fortner. Heather is the chair and CEO of Signature FD, an RAA headquartered in Atlanta with 27 advisors that manage over 7 billion B in (laughs) AUM. Welcome, Heather, and I'm so happy to see you. So great to have you on. Wonderful to reconnect with you. And thanks for taking the time today to share your thoughts with our listeners. Good morning. It's so wonderful to be here. Well, great. So, you know, you have achieved something that not very many have in our profession. You are the chair and CEO of a successful RIA, and you are one of the very few women in that role. So tell us about your journey and what advice do you have specifically for other women looking to make it to the C-suite? Yeah, so I started in this industry as an intern, which is one of the reasons I'm super passionate about intern programs and, and the interns that are coming specifically into our organization and getting their start there. I very uniquely, and and you know, here's the thing, I... I take credit just because it is me, but there have been so many people and mentors and sponsors and and influences behind the scene of of getting from an intern, you know, to a CEO position. I, I can't take all the credit for that. I actually was fortunate enough. My my first two years in the business, I did technical financial planning. So I simply did the the financial plans for another advisor. The next two years, I was able, had a a wonderful opportunity to go and help start a trust company. So start a business from the ground up. And I really helped build the operational and technology platform for that business. Really missed the client interaction and the more client-facing part of the business and so came back to an RIA. And from there, really was just super passionate about learning everything that I possibly could. I learned early on that I am my worst self when I'm bored. And so I did everything that I possibly could not to be bored. And we were just so fortunate that I was fortunate that the firm was about $250 when I started. I've been here about 
It'll be 21 years in February. And there was so much to do. It was so wonderful. And and so you just had the ability to get in there and learn. So I was the chief compliance officer for 15 years at the same time that I was able to help build the operational platform of the firm. And for me, that was such a gift for several reasons. One, because as the chief compliance officer, you are in the boardroom. And so you are seeing really kind of the behind the scenes of how an organization is run, how decisioning is made. You are part of the process of learning to tie strategy to risk to regulatory understandings to what is in the client's best interest, you know, really shaping all of that. And so it was a beautiful mix for me of understanding the regulatory, but then also having the ability to shape and influence how we served clients. And that was, it was just a ton of fun. And and from there, I think the knowledge of the industry, the knowledge of how the business was working, coupled with I had uh, gotten a graduate degree in professional training at night. And I think those two things coupled together was really the secret sauce for me of understanding the business, but then also the people. How do systems work? How do people fit into organizations and into systems so that not only can the organization be its best self, but everyone else has the space to be their best selves as well. You know, it is so interesting. I love hearing that you started as an intern. I think Amy Weber also, who's the uh, CEO of Cambridge, started as an intern. And just that important beginning step. And I know we're talking a lot on this podcast in the industry about the importance of internships. Um, so again, if you're a firm that's listening, re- remember you could, you could be, uh, you could have your <laughs> next Heather, Heather Fortner in your, in your, uh, in your internship program and not even know it. I love that from the, rarely do you see a chief compliance officer going to become the CEO. So I think that's also a very, very interesting transition. And then working and building the operational systems to really see how everything works probably has given you a very interesting vantage point as the CEO of the firm now. But I guess what I'm most fascinated about what you said was that you have in your spare time, you got your um, (laughs) you got a degree in professional um, counseling. And it almost seems like you've got this really interesting mix of technical, you know, left brain, analytical mind then you went and went over to the right brain side, the more touchy-feely, the counseling, the understanding how people work, what motivates them. So how has that professional counseling degree mm-hmm. helped you in your role as a leader at your firm? You know, it's funny when people ask me that question, I actually have to say, I think it's probably the most important thing that I did. What I have learned over time is that as you progress in your maturity, as you progress in your career, as you progress really in understanding yourself and finding the things that that really 
turn you on, that you're passionate about, that you excel at. The reality is that the technical stuff, it's actually easier to teach. It's easier to learn. And it's easier, I would say, to implement than the skills related to people. Now, I do believe that both of those things are skill sets that you can learn. But the difference between the two, in my opinion, is that every single human is different. And so you have to shift, you have to evolve, you have to be able to create this space where you can fluidly and in a very agile fashion evaluate, see, have empathy, and then move to a place of coming alongside of people on their journey. And those lessons are learned over time. The technical, the math, the math works. Either the numbers tick and tie or the numbers don't tick and tie. But with people, one day it may tick and one day it may tie and one day it may do neither, right? And so for me, in the recognition that I was really good at ticking and tying and really good at numbers and really good at the technical component of finance. And I enjoy those things. I'm a super type A, you know, obsessive compulsive, like OCD. (laughs) I want the numbers to tie to the penny, right? Like I want all of those things. But for me, the real joy came in, regardless of who you're working with, it is different every single day. Yep. And that beauty and that there was just a real satisfaction and a real joy, just a deep joy that came for me in getting to know humans at their core and potentially being able to help them find the thing that we call at Signature FD their net worthwhile, because I truly believe that when people find that space where they are not only skilled, but they are also passionate and you get those two things overlapped, you, the best person emerges. And that, that to me is where the real joy in life is. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I I love so much of what you said. The, I do think for those advisors and leaders of firms that are listening, that it is an evolution That's right. of your leadership skills, right? I know from my own experience, I think I was a much better manager later in my career than I was in my begin in the beginning. Absolutely. Um, and it is also, I think, just a testament to your leadership skills that you understood that you really were good at this one thing and that this other area was something that you wanted to invest in to learn more about, but you recognize that that was actually going to be the most important piece to you being a, a really complete leader. And that is, I think, a big takeaway for those that are listening, just that importance of the people part. Sometimes it's easy to forget that when you're looking at numbers and clients and all of that, and none of that can happen if you don't have a lot of the right people in place. So that that's uh, really, really interesting, Heather. Um, so another interesting thing is 
I was looking at your your website and I with so many websites out there and no offense to the advisors listening, a lot of them are pretty similar and they kind of the same themes and say a lot of the same stuff. And yours is very different. And it says, we define wealth as the accumulation of more and worth as the achievement of better. At the intersection of wealth and worth is where we can help define what have it all means to you. And I absolutely love this. I want to know how this messaging came about because I know a lot of advisors mm-hmm. struggle with their website. Mm-hmm. And why was it so important to address the term worth? Mm. Again, I will come back to the words you just used, which is really the evolution. I think one thing that I'd love to tell firms is the core of who you are typically stays the same, but you have this freedom to evolve your message over time. And for us, landing on net worthwhile, landing on the intersection of wealth and worth, it was a journey for us. Like we have always, I, I, so I'm that person that keeps like all the things, like I'm a natural scrapbooker in my life. My poor kids, you know, it's like every year they're going to be so overwhelmed with everything, but, but that's how my brain works. My brain just takes all these pictures and turns them into this journey over time. And we did that with the firm. I went back, like I've kept every uh, one printed newsletter from the time we were printing them from, from all of the years that we were doing it. And it was fascinating in our 25th year, which was last year, you know, pulling all of that out and looking at the evolution and the journey and the story over time. It was fascinating to see how we had evolved and matured in our branding and in our messaging. But the the beautiful part about it was that the core was always the same. The core was always that there is a purpose that each person has that we we don't know what it is. It's unique to you, right? It is unique to me. It's unique to you. And our job as wealth professionals is to be able to come alongside of you and to help you craft a design that uses the tool of wealth, but wealth is not the purpose in and of itself. And so the message, the core was always the same, but we you know, have had some wonderful, and I have to give a lot of credit to our current chief marketing officer. Like we, we have had wonderful help along the way to pull that core into a message that resonates with all. And having that language, having that consistent brand, having that thing mm-hmm. that everyone in the organization knows, this is who we are. This is what we stand for. This is what we believe. These are our core values. This is our language. This is how we talk about what we do at Signature FD and who we are and how we serve our clients. Let me tell you, I believe 
that it attracts the clients that you will best serve that want to be served by you. And it, it actually <laughs> repels the ones who are not good fits. And it does that from a client perspective. It does that from a team perspective. And it gives everyone in the organization a very strong place, a rock, right, to be grounded. We're all different, but we are all grounded in that. And so for me, it's been a joy to be on that journey of, of coming to this message. Yeah, so that is, um, that's great advice to really go back to, like, what is the, the core mission and work your messaging around that. Again, I, I have talked to so many advisors over the years and that they struggle with, mm -hmm. you know, making, differentiating that yeah. messaging on on their site and and again we talk about websites being essentially more important than what your office looks like anymore because you're going to get That's way right. more visitors to your website than you'll That's ever right. have in your office right. um and so that messaging has to be really clear etc and just how you kind of went beyond the managing money to what that managing what that money and that wealth will do for that person. What is that? What is their ultimate goal? That's right. So how would, is it serving, right? How is the wealth serving the individual that owns it? And I think that conversation, that worthwhile, that conversation of the things that you find worthwhile to you, right? That's really, if you, if you talk to the majority of advisors in our industry, that is the place that they find their joy. They love to be with clients. They love to know all about their clients. They love to serve their clients well. Most of them are in this profession because they are natural helpers, right? They typically have um, both sides, the technical and the people side as well. I think that where the industry is headed, and I think you see this, uh, much more frequently now than than you know when I first started in the industry is that we simply want to better educate advisors with the toolkit the the skill set that they need to help clients uncover those things that they find worthwhile because sometimes that can be a difficult journey but the reality is it's happening anyway. And if you can't go on that journey with your client, then most likely the plan that you have created is for not anyway. Yep. You're, you're getting to a much deeper part of the relationship and the motivation of that particular client. I love that. And your messaging states that. So, well, kudos to you and and to your CMO and all the other that went into that because <laughs> it's really it really stood out to me. And I'm a messaging person, and I I rarely um, think that there's something amazing um, that I haven't seen. So I thought it was great. Thank you. So um, so this podcast is all about the future, right? And mm -hmm. what firms mm -hmm. and individuals need to do to be successful now and in the future. So what key areas are you focused on? at Signature FD to serve your current and future clients? Mm, I, I love that question. I think one of the things that we are always focused on is our team. It's our culture. It is how are we investing in the future of our people? Because our belief is that 
when our people are served well, they serve our clients well. And so, you know, I've never I've never been an advisor. Right. I've been a financial planner. I've been a chief compliance officer. I've been a, a, a chief operating officer. I've been a president. I've been a CEO, but I've never been an advisor. And so my belief is that the way that we as an organization impact exponentially more people is that we care well for the people in our organization, that we develop them well, that we pour into their personal development, their professional development, their mental well-being, how they feel about their environment, and that when we do those things, they then care for others well. So I think that's one thing um, that we are really focused on. And that gets hard, right? COVID was hard. Growth is hard. Like maintaining those types of relationships and environments when people are virtual, like all of that stuff gets really hard. Uh, But our intention has been focused on it. I remember uh, when I became CEO in 2020, I have I had two different external coaches and one of them, he's he's 30 years my senior. He ran a very prominent financial institution in Atlanta for many, many years. One of the wisest people I know. And and I remember uh, you know, when the first couple of months of being CEO, I was like, Oh, I don't even. What am I doing? Like, what what am I supposed to even? And and Heather, you said that you became CEO in 2020. Did you become CEO yeah. during COVID? Yes. So it was like of all the times to become. I, I joke about it because it was like, okay, so there's COVID. There's the markets going crazy. There's race riots going on. Like, I mean, if you're going to be CEO, you might as well just jump in at <laughs> the most difficult time. Seriously. It worked. But he, uh, you know, I, I remember specifically one day I was talking to him and I was like, I, did, I don't even know where to start. Like, this is, this is huge. Mm-hmm. And here's what he said to me. He said, Heather, what if I paid you depending on how well you developed the team. That's it. Every last dime of your compensation, none of it came from the things you do. All of it came from how well are you investing in the next generation of leaders in your organization? And I sat back and I was just mind blown. It was one of those things that dramatically influenced my perception of shifting from a COO, a doer, uh, you know, the, the person who's running all of the things to the CEO, which is the thinker and the beer and the investor in people. And so for me, I think, um, you know, that really cemented for me the path that we went down, which was, listen, this whole firm has been about ensuring that we were prepared for succession, that our clients were well cared for, that our firm was well cared for. Hey, Heather, that's the thing you need to focus on. You need to be sure that right now you have the right people 
in the right seats doing the right thing that they are passionate about, excited about, and trained appropriately to do. And once you can get that done, Heather, then you are going to have really a foundation to be able and and go and do some much larger things because guess what? I can't I can't do it all myself. And I never should. I think it's one of the hardest things for a leader, right? Is to let go, especially <laughs> if you're in that organization and you were doing another job. That's right. Um, which many were, I know I was, and to let go of that job you were doing because you know it so well and nobody can do it as good as you. (laughs) Um, But to let go of that because you, you were promoted, you're in this leadership role for the bigger, for the, for the, for the entire organization, not just for that area that you ran. Right. right. And so that key part that you're saying, make sure you got the right people in the right places, make sure you have your, you have a really strong leadership team. And, you know, that is, I think, so, so critical. And you, I believe, um, had a, a really big effort to, to have a diverse senior leadership team, right? So yes. something like 90% of your leadership team are women. Is that correct? Yeah, there's, I don't know the percentage now we've, we've added um, another person, but we have the majority, probably 60 to 70% is female. And the beautiful part about that is all of them were already in our organization. It was simply a matter of giving them the chance to get to the table. And so I think one of the personal lessons I learned in all of this was that um, when you are in the leadership seat, you have a responsibility. It is not just an opportunity. It is a responsibility to turn around, take other people by the hand, and pull them to the table. And so many times I see leaders who are clinging, right? They are so tight fisted because there is a bit of a scarcity mentality. There's only room for so many people at the table. And the reality I think is, I think the table is bigger than we all potentially believe that it is. And it is amazing how the perspectives shift the talents shifts, the abilities shift when you turn around and bring other people who, quite frankly, are better in their vertical than you could ever be as a generalist. Let's be real. Our chief marketing officer, I'm not a marketing person, right? She, This is her genius. And so bringing her to the table, being sure that she's at the table and that I am creating space for her to lean into her genius and to help this organization grow. The the efforts, the results that we have had because of that have been exponential. And I see it in every vertical of the organization. And so as a team, we are highly focused on at every level in the organization, people turning around, grabbing somebody else by the hand and pulling them to where they are. It is it is by far, I believe, one of the secret sauces of why people want to be at Signature FD. 
you know, you mentioned that's a, a perfect example of of what um, that of, of framing out what your culture looks like. Mm-hmm. Right? So that kind of helping, pulling along, um, embracing um, that and and culture is such a critical part mm-hmm. of a firm success. So so what can firm leaders make sure they are doing um, in terms of being deliberate around their culture, especially around like some of the diversity and inclusion initiatives and efforts. So what have you seen really work at your firm? Yeah, I I love this conversation. Sometimes I get a little miffed that so many people focus on the diversity piece, but they don't focus on the inclusion piece. Let me tell you, diversity without inclusion never works. It just never works because at our core as humans, we all have a need to belong. And that need to belong, it is what is driving in our organization, not only our succession practices and our equity practices. It is driving our cultural practices of the things that we are doing with our team and for our team. But it is also driving how we have created the structure in our organization to serve our clients. Because for as much as we as team members need a place to belong, so do your clients. Mm -hmm. And so for us, finding space for the practitioners and the technicians and the advisors and relationship managers who are passionate about a certain type of client, a certain niche of client, and wrapping that niche with the resources that they need, we have found better enables those advisors and relationship managers to serve the clients that they are passionate about. It also then creates opportunities for us to bring like-minded clients together in ways that is fun and engaging and safe. I was talking to someone just yesterday. Um, it, it was kind of an uh, infuriating conversation around the, an experience that he was having in um, trying to find an advisor that would basically include his wife in the conversation without condescending to her. I mean, it was yeah. just, it's just, you know, it, it, you have to sit back for a moment and, and say, oh, is, is that still really happening? And yes, it is. And I do believe that it's happening more than we probably care to admit. Mm-hmm. But in that moment, my response to him was, but that's the whole reason that we are organized the way that we are, because we want spaces. We want to be able to create spaces for your wife to come where she feels safe, where it's fun and engaging, where she can meet others, where she can form a community in and of herself and learn in a way that is not condescending. She determines the pace. She determines how she interacts with her advisor and relationship manager, and we are all better for it. And so for us, that conversation around belonging, that conversation around creating those spaces for people to connect, the inclusion aspect of 
hey, no, you know what? Equity in this firm, right? We want people to own equity. We want people to be owners of this organization because you take care of the things that you own. You feel a part. You feel proud to be a part of something bigger than yourself. Um, And so for us, you know, we have technologies and ways that we have different communities that team members are passionate about. They've created, I mean, we've got book clubs and we've got gardening clubs and we've got food clubs and we've got pet clubs and uh, (laughs) all kinds of, of things, which at its core, it's just about creating spaces for people to be included. That's it. Yeah. And it seems so simple, right? <laughs> like, it's like, okay, like, and, and yet it, it really blocks a lot of firms. They, they, they don't know where to get started. So I think some of that advice that you just gave, um, simple stuff, but so important. And I always like to pull, pull it back to imagine if you felt you you went into an organization, you went into a restaurant, you went into, you know, a store mm-hmm. and, and you didn't feel that you were welcomed. That's right. Imagine if that's how you feel every day that you, when you go into the office. That's right. Imagine how terrible that would be. How many so, times have you walked into a store and they haven't greeted you and said hello and you've turned around and you've walked out? Well, because- I live in New York. Are you kidding? <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're like, that happens all the time. I have to get dressed up to go into some stores for them to look at me. <laughs> uh, but it's it's very, very, I think, just kind of taking that inward lens of how how you would feel yeah. makes it makes it easier to empathize, right? That's, about that's, belonging. That's exactly right. So I can't believe it, but we are we are actually at the end of uh, the last question of our podcast. I feel like we could go on and on and yeah, on talking about a million and one things. But I do always ask the same last question to all my guests, which is with the title and theme of the podcast focused on the future in mind. Heather, what is your last line? What key takeaway do you want to leave our audience with today? I think the thing that I'm really focused on right now that is really hard for some reason, but I believe is a key to unlocking a lot of other progress in the organization is that it's okay for things to be simple. We don't have to make things more complex and more complicated than they already are. We do, I think some of the genius in running a business is being able to take those things that are super complex and complicated and boiling them down to their essence, because it is not only what will help us to move forward in our organizations, but I also believe that it is what will help our clients make more progress to the goals that we help them design. Love it. Keep it simple. Don't overthink things. Um, And it doesn't have to be complex to be relevant and impactful. That's exactly right. That's great advice. That's a great last line. Um, Thank you so much for, for talking about your 
your journey. Super interesting story. I know that's going to inspire so many, especially young women that are listening to this. And also for sharing how you're approaching building the firm of the future. Really, really fantastic advice. I'm Suzanne Syracuse. Thanks for listening. And I hope this episode leaves you feeling even more excited to be focused on the future. Looking to fast forward your practice goals? Commonwealth Financial Network can help you evolve your business by providing entrepreneurial capital, affiliation flexibility, and tailored business strategies. Everything you need to put your practice into the fast lane. Welcome to a better path to success. Welcome to Commonwealth. To learn more, visit Commonwealth.com. Commonwealth Financial Network is a member of FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor.